Good morning to you. How are you? It is Friday morning, the 19th of January 2024. And please, God, this Friday will signal the end. Today signals the end, or just about the end, of the cold snap. We have been enduring in Blighty here in the UK, but particularly in the north of the country. It's been absolutely freezing here. In the northwest, there was more snow overnight. The conditions underfoot are bloody treacherous. I nearly came to grief a couple of times this morning in the uh, local park and on the way to and from the park. Not that anybody would have seen me to laugh at me with me two puppies on the lead. Um, treacherous conditions, hopefully, as I said, we're back to uh, milder conditions tomorrow, Saturday, and then the coming week. Hope all is well with you, and you're looking forward to the weekend. Let's go immediately to the front pages of today's newspapers. The Guardian leads with headline, front page, Netanyahu, we will not accept a Palestinian state after Gaza war. Surprise, surprise. Why do I have a visceral sometimes consuming hatred for Benjamin Netanyahu. I don't know why that is. I can't explain it because I believe, I nearly said I know, but that would be arrogant. I believe that Netanyahu, like his counterparts in every other country in the world, is a mere front man, a front man, a messenger for an agenda which has been dreamt up by other men, darker, shadowy figures, most of whom we don't know the names, right? Most of whose names we don't know. So if Netanyahu is not really making the decisions, why do I hate him? I hate him. I utterly loathe him. I despise him with every fibre of my being. He is a disgusting human being. It's probably because when he talks about what's happening in Gaza, um, he has a twinkle in his eye, doesn't he? He's almost gleeful about the carnage, the genocide in Gaza. Well, The Guardian is leading with a story claiming that he has told the US government and President Joe Biden another front man, another patsy, that he opposes the establishment of a Palestinian state once everything um, quietens down in the region, once they've stopped bombing um, the smithereens out of uh, the Palestinians. The White House responded by saying it will continue working towards a two-state solution. Again, if these men were not merely frontmen, if they were not patsies, you know, if the political world was a legitimate one. As I said, the United States, I've said this too many times, but the US and the UK and France and Germany and the European Union, if things were legitimate, they would respond by brutalising Israel through the uh, sanctions regime. They would just absolutely collapse the Israeli economy to say, look, it's over. We, we don't tolerate the genocide of one group of people by another. Um, but, but we don't live in a, in, in a legitimate world. Politics is not legitimate, it's an illusion, in my opinion. The Daily Telegraph, NATO warns of war with Russia in the next 20 years. Let's just leave that one for a moment because I will read some of that story in a few minutes, okay? So NATO warns of war with Russia uh, in next 20 years. Let's uh, look at the front page of The Sun. Um, air for you, Kate. Air, H-E-I-R, Air for you, Kate. M- supposed to be here for you, Kate. It's a photograph of the Prince of Wales, the heir to the throne, William, behind the wheel of a of a car, presumably a Land Rover. 
um, heading off to see his wife. What utter crap from the sun. What shit in light of everything that's going on in the world. To plaster its front page with a photograph of a entitled fucking moron who's never done a day's work in his life going to hospital to see his wife. Who gives a shit? Um, she had an operation apparently on her abdomen. Uh, the same photograph adorns the front page of the Times but the headline on the front page of the Times reads Teachers Locked In for their own safety. This is a story uh, alleging that the behaviour of pupils in some schools in the UK is so bad, is so awful, that there are no-go areas in these schools and teachers have to lock themselves inside for safety. (laughs) Oh, God. I went to St. Paul's Community College during my secondary school days and St. Paul's Community College in Waterford, it served um, working-class housing estates where where I grew up, and I'm very proud of it, being a working-class boy from a housing estate. The finest people I ever met or ever will meet um, grew up on council housing estates. But uh, it served, did St. Paul's Community College, a number of these housing estates, including uh, uh, Listogan, it served Larchville, it served Lismore Park and the surrounding areas there, and also Ballybeg. There were a lot of rough and ready kids. <laughs> it's fair to say there were some feral kids in 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 Saint Paul's Community College, and there was one particular family. I'm not going to mention the name of the family because I'm quite fond of some members of the family. Um, if the, if the truth be told, but one or two of their kids were complete lunatics. I'm talking about aged thirteen, fourteen. Completely unmanageable, lunatic kids who came from difficult families. And this is true. It got so bad, the bullying got so bad, or these kids were so crazy, that the classes, um, how, do I, how do I say this? Um, at times, everybody else was left out of school. Um, school broke up at four o'clock and these kids were kept back for 15 minutes to give everybody else a head start (laughs) to get home. This was in 1989. This is true. This is true. These crazy kids were were kept for 10, 15 minutes after school, presumably with the permission of their parents, or the parents didn't give a damn, and everybody else basically ran for it. Honestly. Honestly. Crazy times. Uh, the iPaper, government orders inquiry into second post office IT scandal claims. If I hear any more about the post office scandal, I'm, I'm not going to say what I would do because I'll get into trouble. I'm sick of hearing about it. We get it. Postmasters and postmistresses were wrongfully convicted of fraud. We get it. Many more fucking times you have to tell us. Uh, Financial Times Hunt signals wish to cut taxes and hold two budgets before next election. So Jeremy Hunt is the UK Chancellor. He's been in Davos at the World Economic Forum thing. Well, he was there yesterday. And he says he plans to cut taxes and have two new budgets before the next election. It's a last, it's a desperate last ditch effort by Hunt and the Conservative Party, maybe to hold on to power. It is expected they will lose in a landslide in the forthcoming general election. Daily Express, Hunt plots big tax cuts in budget, same story. Daily Mirror, left to rot, is the headline on the front page of the Daily Mirror, which alleges that 100,000 children were hospitalised with rotten teeth 
over the course of the last five years. Jesus. As the Daily Mail, don't defy will of the people, Rishi warns lords. This is about the Rwanda bill. After it passed, barely passed on Tuesday night at um, the 11th hour, this plan to put asylum seekers on a plane and send them to Rwanda for, I can't say it without laughing, it's ludicrous. Um, Yesterday, Sunak gave a press conference at the house, uh, excuse me, at number 10 Downing Street and he said that the, because any bill that passes the House of Commons then goes to the upper chamber, the House of Lords, okay, the Lords can basically veto it effectively. They can send it back. If it doesn't pass the House of Lords, it goes back to the House of Commons. Sunak is saying, please don't defy the will of the people and pass this bill. Metro says, NHS ICE advice, be a penguin. Talked about this on the other show, the Richie Allen show. Um, In Scotland, a, a video emerged whereby the Scottish government was advising people how to negotiate ice, iced over pavements and footpaths. And the advice was a video showing people how to waddle like a penguin to avoid slipping on the pavements, on the footpaths that's uh, on the front page of the Metro today. The Daily Star, (laughs) it has a rather funny photograph. It's mocked up on the front page and it is a photograph of Pope Francis holding a tablet uh, aloft as Moses might have done when Moses held up the tablets containing the Ten Commandments. So the tablet in question being held by Pope Francis, it reads, Thou shalt have rumpy pumpy. (laughs) Thou shalt have rumpy pumpy. Francis said that sexual pleasure is a gift from God and it should be disciplined with patience. (laughs) With patience. (laughs) Is Pope Francis... Um, standing up for, for women whose men finish too soon during the act of sexual intercourse. Is that what he means by patience? Sexual pleasure is a gift from God, but be patient, men. Hold off. Hold off on the old orgasm. Make sure that your partner is satisfied first or at the same time. Mother of divine Jesus. Okay, we'll, we'll leave that one uh, there. Let's look inside the papers. Then this Friday morning, the 19th of January, it is uh, minus three degrees outside the studio. It's cold in studio because we I, I don't run central heating in the studio because there is so much equipment and the electronic equipment does better when it's cold. So it's cool here. The Telegraph then, tobacco giant threatened Sunak with legal action over smoking bill. What's that all about? It's an interesting one. Tobacco giant Philip Morris. Its biggest brand is Marlborough, isn't it, Philip Morris? Uh, Threatened legal action in an attempt to block Rishi Sunak's plans to phase out smoking. So a parliamentary vote will take place next month about landmark legislation which would raise the age at which people can buy tobacco products uh, by a year every year. So it's a crazy, it's a weird bill, this. So if this bill passes, right, it means that every year the age at which it is legal to buy tobacco products would go up by a year. Now, at the moment, only people aged 18 and over can buy tobacco products. But they hope, with this crazy legislation, that if they keep increasing this, so next year it will be 19, the year after it would be 20, the year after that 
you'd have to be 21 to buy products. They reckon that eventually people would stop smoking. It's fucking ridiculous, this. But anyway, health officials feared that the legal threat from Philip Morris over the matter could have ended up in the High Court, causing lengthy delays before any laws could be passed. In a statement issued last night, Philip Morris said it had withdrawn its threat of legal action earlier this week after the government made changes to its consultation ahead of any bill. So Philip Morris said it supports the government's ambition for England to be smoke-free by 2030, but the company wanted so-called heated tobacco products which manufacturers say produce a vapour rather than smoke and ash to be excluded from the new legislation. So it seems that Philip Morris has given up on cigarettes. It's accepting that in the next 10 years cigarettes are going to disappear, but it wants to be able to produce heated tobacco products. That's what it's all about, really. And uh, this had been included in the legislation. It would have prevented heated tobacco products being uh, available to people aged 18 and over. But this is going to change. So now the amended legislation, which will go to the House of Commons next um, um, year, will include uh, these heated tobacco products. I can't imagine. I don't know what about you. Maybe it's because of my... Um, sorry, it'll be debated next month um, in in the House of Commons and then the Conservative Party MPs will have a free vote but Labour MPs will be whipped into backing these proposals. That's right. I've probably made that a tad complicated. You will forgive me. It's very, very early in the AM. Yeah. Okay. So Philip Morris says it does support the UK government's ambition for England to be smoke-free by 2030 but that the heated tobacco products um, should be exempt, okay? Heated tobacco products which produce vapour, not smoke, not ash, should be exempt. So that if you're 18 in 2025, you should be able to buy a heated tobacco products even if you're not able or permitted or allowed to buy a traditional cigarette. There you are, okay? When it comes up for a vote, as I said, the Conservatives will have a free vote, but Labour will be whipped into supporting it. Can you imagine... A word without cigarettes. I'm 49. I have never even held a cigarette in my hand. Ever. I've never tried it because I hate it. I despise it. I pretty much despised my parents. Both of them smoked and I loathed it. I mean, I detest it. So it's never been an issue for me. But um, can you imagine a world where there are no cigarettes? It's hard for me to imagine again because of my age. But anyway, the times... Home office hires hangar to practice forcing migrants onto Rwanda flights. Everything is vaudeville to me. I mean, everything is ridiculous. I laugh out loud 17, 20, 25 times a day at the bullshit they're selling people. The home office has hired an aircraft hangar and it's hired a fuselage, right? It's hired the body of, a, of an aeroplane to enable security officials to practice forcibly removing migrants onto planes in preparation for Rwanda deportation flights, the Times can reveal. Migrants will be escorted from a detention facility on an airbase, one by one, by security guards. As part of preparations for the first flights, the guards have undergone special training programmes to deal with disruptive people. Staff will mimic different scenarios 
that the Home Office expects them to encounter when they move migrants onto aircraft bound for Kigali. Scenarios that are being practiced include migrants resorting to violence to prevent being put on a plane or extinction rebellion style protests where individuals play dead by lying on the floor and refusing to move. They are also preparing for the prospect of dirty protests and demonstrations by campaigners outside the airbase in an attempt to halt flights. The Times says it is estimated that five officers will be needed for each migrant being removed. Mother of God, again. Farcical. The Guardian. Here's a story. Meta documents show 100,000 children sexually harassed daily on its platforms. So Meta's platforms, of course, are Instagram, are Facebook and WhatsApp. Meta estimates about 100,000 children using Facebook and Instagram receive online sexual harassment each day, including pictures of adult genitalia. That's according to internal company documents made public late yesterday. Excuse me, late Wednesday. The unsealed legal filing includes several allegations against the company based on information the New Mexico Attorney General's Office received from presentations by Meta employees and communications between staff. The documents describe an incident in 2020 when the 12-year-old daughter of an executive at Apple was solicited via Instagram Direct, which is a messaging product. This is the kind of thing that pisses Apple off to the extent of threatening to remove us from the App Store, a Meta employee fretted, according to the documents. A senior Meta employee described how his own daughter had been solicited via Instagram in testimony to the US Congress late last year. His efforts to fix the problem were ignored, he said. Meta gave a statement uh, yesterday... In response to Wednesday's filing, the statement said we want teens to have safe, age-appropriate experiences online. We've over 30 tools to support them. Blah, 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 blah. I always say, not that it matters what I say, because I'm not a parent, but what responsibility is borne by the parents to keep their children safe online? Do the parents not have a responsibility to, to manage, to monitor, to determine just exactly how often their children spend on their smart devices, you know, and what it is they're doing when they're on there. Where did the parents come in here? They never seem to get a mention when you, when you read these news stories. I know you'll laugh if you're a parent, and you're quite right to laugh. You have every right to, to laugh at me and to scoff at me when I say, if I was a parent, it wouldn't happen. And I know, I know, I know, it's easier said than done and all of that. But what responsibility is um, owned by or should be owned by this by the parents? Now, here's a very important story. It is the front page story on the Daily Telegraph today. And it's one that might make your blood boil. <clears throat> the headline reads, NATO warns of all-out war with Russia in next 20 years. Civilians must prepare for all-out war with Russia in the next 20 years, a top military official has warned. While armed forces are primed for the outbreak of war, private citizens need to be ready for a conflict that would require wholesale change in their lives, Admiral Rob Bauer said on Thursday. 
Large numbers of civilians will need to be mobilised in case of the outbreak of war and governments should put in place systems to manage the process, Admiral Bauer told reporters after a meeting of NATO defence chiefs in Brussels. We have to realise it's not a given that we are in peace and that's why we, NATO forces, are preparing for a conflict with Russia. But the discussion is much wider. It is also the industrial base and also the people that have to understand they play a role. Bauer, a Dutch naval officer who is chairman of NATO's military committee, praised Sweden for asking all of its citizens to brace for war ahead of the country formally joining the alliance. Stockholm's move, announced earlier this month, has led to a surge in volunteers for the country's civil defence organisation and a spike in sales of torches and battery-powered radios. I can't help but think about Gerald Salente, my great friend, the publisher of the Trends Journal, and uh, what he might say, uh, how he might um, feel when, when, when hearing that that we must prepare for all-out war with Russia in the next 20 years. Uh, Admiral uh, Bauer, Rob Bauer, telling us that civilians might need to be ready. He even went on to say yesterday that conscription may have to be a thing in the near future. I can imagine Gerald Salente, his blood boiling, raging, listening to that. We might be at war with Russia. What exactly does that mean? Well, what it means is we need to scare the absolute shit out of you with um, fear-mongering stories about Russia and war and World War Three, so that you'll accept, you know, wholesale changes to the way you live your life, so that you'll accept our Great Reset, our Agenda 2030 plans. That's what's really going on here. Because there are hundreds of millions of people living in Russia. I'm not at war with them. You are not at war with them. They are no threat to you, they are no threat to me, and you and I, we represent no threat to the people of Russia. No more than the people of Iran represent a threat to us. The Iranian people are no threat to me whatsoever. They don't know me, I don't know them. Our lives, apart from maybe, you know, the, the, the minute details about what you eat and what you drink and where you go to work, and but our lives are pretty similar. We want to be able to live in peace and relative harmony with the people around us. We want to raise children. We want to set them up for a good life. We want to be able to travel. We want to be able to spend time with our friends. We just want to live in peace and harmony, as I've already said. What's this bullshit about war with Russia? War with Iran? What do they mean exactly? And will it ever occur to people when they go to the ballot box, or those who do go to the ballot box, the millions who will go to vote for the Labour Party in the general election this year, does it, does it ever occur to them? Will it ever occur to them? Will it ever dawn on them? What do they mean when they say Russia? Russia says this and China says this. You're talking about hundreds of millions of people that I have no problem with, I have no truck with, no disagreement with, no row with. When will it ever fucking dawn on people? do you think? You know, they put manifestos together promising promising jobs, better jobs, better access to dental care, better schools, you know, reduce the cost of living crisis. These are the promises in the manifestos. And before you know it, when they're in government, they're talking about forming alliances with the United States and France, you know, to take on Russia. But we, the, the, the great unwashed, the great mass of people, we don't have any problem with Russia. Do you understand what I'm, what I'm getting at there? When will it dawn on people? The absolute cheek of Admiral Rob Bauer, how fucking dare he? 
warn that we'll have a war with Russia and that we need to think about conscription again, the draft, as they'd call it in America. I have no problem with Russia and I will not be taking up arms against the Russian nation, the Russian state or the Iranians or the Libyans or the Syrians or anybody else. The Daily Mail. It's all one big fucking theatre. Listen to this. Donald Trump Jr. says father could choose Tucker Carlson to be his vice presidential running mate. Again, I began this podcast by lampooning the notion that Benjamin Netanyahu is really running things in Israel or that Rishi Sunak is really running things in the UK or his government. It's a, it's a charade. It's an illusion. Fox News interview. Donald Trump Jr. says his father agrees with uh, Tucker Carlson on everything and that Carlson could certainly be a contender to be picked as his vice presidential candidate. What utter bollocks. And it says again, you know, while people who believe they are awake, who see themselves as being alive to what's really going on in the world, um, you know, uh, don't have a clue. Don't have a clue, really, if you're weighing in behind people like Donald Trump or Tucker Carlson. The mainstream alternative media, that's what Tucker Carlson is. When will people learn? Just leave that there, Richie. Leave it there because you'll start ranting and you don't need to rant today. Is it, look, look, this is bullshit. Carlson will, will, of course, not be chosen as Donald Trump's running mate. But it's just, it's just highlighting again the theatrical nature of all of this you know, politics, public life, geopolitics. It's one massive illusion. It really is. You're repeating yourself. I know I am. Bizarre story in the mirror. Chinese marathon runner disqualified after smoking throughout the entire race. I find this incredible, but it seems to be real. I'm a man who runs um, later on this morning when it thaws a little bit. Not because I'm overly concerned about the cold. I'm not. I run in very, very cold temperatures. It's not the cold, but it's the treacherous sidewalks, pavements, footpaths, as we call them here. Um, but I run, and I'm, uh, you know, uh, somebody who runs pretty much every day of the year. And I run some pretty good times for a 49-year-old guy with bad knees. But this is a mad story. A Chinese marathon runner who chain-smoked his way through a marathon has now been disqualified from racing despite ranking highly. Uncle Chen, this is no joke by the way, nicknamed the smoking brother, managed to complete the GMN marathon in an impressive 3 hours and 33 minutes on January 7th this year. Uh, the 52-year-old placed 574th out of more than 1,500 runners but was disqualified for smoking on the track. There are videos uh, to back this up. The guy's a chain smoker. If if you are 52 and you're chain smoking and you can do a marathon in three hours and 33 minutes, holy mother of divine Jesus, um, let's not go to war with China. <laughs> right? Um, I, I don't think if conscription is a thing, I don't think the average British man or woman, I don't think is competing with the Chinese when it comes to physical fitness. Uh, amazing story that in the mirror today. Let's leave it. Mirror.co.uk. There's an interesting story in the Telegraph about a prize winning novelist who admitted that she wrote parts of her book using chat GPT. Okay. Uh, she gave an acceptance speech. Uh, this woman, her name is Ri Kudan. She is a Japanese author and said that around 5% of her book, The Tokyo Tower of Sympathy, was taken verbatim 
from the chat bot. Uh, she won a prestigious uh, award for new writers on Wednesday night. One of the judges said her work was flawless, but she admitted that she used generative AI chat GBT in writing the book. That's the future, isn't it? It really is. And the sun... Uh, has a distressing story. Primark staff threatened with the sack after refusing to work in huge shop with no heating where temperature was just one degree Celsius. Freezing Primark staff refused to work in a shop with no heating yesterday when the temperature fell to one uh, degree. Uh, The shivering workers were threatened with the sack if they refused to open the tills. They were called to a a 9am crisis meeting by area managers who told them the shop would open with workers, including those in the canteen, being rotated between departments every 15 minutes to try to keep them warm. This is obviously the chain, uh, Primark, refusing to put the heating on in order to save money. And here's an interesting story. This time last year, I um, asked to see the manager of the Tesco branch of um, of the, the Tesco Extra in Salford. And that is because I go there regularly. I also frequent other um, shopping centres too. But I go there regularly and I'm pretty familiar with the women, mostly women, who man the tills there. One particular morning it was absolutely freezing. I asked the women what was going on. They said to me, they, they, they don't put the heating on. I called the manager. He was an amiable guy, pretty amiable fella. And I said, mate, you've got to put the heating on. If you don't, I said, I'm going to go public with it. So I told him that my name is Richie Allen. I said, you won't know me at all, but I present an independent radio show, an independent news radio show. I said, that won't, you know, that won't mean anything to you, but I have a lot of contacts, which I do, in uh, people who provide stories for the Mail Online and the Express. If you don't put the heating on, I said, I'm going to go public, I'm going to embarrass Tesco. I said, it's outrageous. It's inhumane. And he agreed with me. He agreed. He's a lovely fella. He agreed with me. And he said, yeah. He said, it's orders from head office because the price of um, heating is so great. They're asking us to keep it off as much as we can. I said, the women on the tills are freezing, man. One of them, her hands are blue. And he said, yeah, and he put the heating back on. And ever since then, and I, like I go there pretty much every other day, uh, this winter, it has, uh, they have kept the heating on and the heating has been on when I've gone in there. That was my good deed last year, yeah. But a lot of supermarkets and a lot of businesses, retail businesses, are doing this because uh, the price of gas, of course, is astronomical. And they're like, well, we can't, you know, we... we head office is reaching out to local branch managers and saying don't put the heating on, staff are freezing so I don't blame the Primark staff for refusing to work until the heating was turned on. What a crazy what a ridiculous, what a sick world we kind of do live in don't we? What a nice way to end the Papers podcast for today Whatever you're doing this weekend, I hope you have a good one Enjoy your weekend Uh, The Richie Allen Radio Show News, Current Affairs, Politics Analysis will return this coming Monday at 4 o'clock. The papers will be back on Monday morning. Before that, though, I have a music programme which airs on Sunday at 10, 10 o'clock UK time. Listen via the app for the programme or richieallen.co.uk. Have a fantastic weekend. From me, it is Arrivederci. Bye now.